0: Chapter Six of Miss Pym's Camouflage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley. Chapter Six. General Rayner apologized for interrupting. I have driven over from M. He said to ask about those ambulances. But you all look so so excited. He added. So would you? So will you? They cried. Only see here, Rayner. Not a word to any living soul," cautioned Colonel Price. "Why he might tell everyone quite safely," said General Ames. "They'd only call him drunk or a nervous breakdown," cried Murcott, laughing rather shrilly. Miss Pym was now called on to reappear. She could not veil the glint of exultation in her eyes. The commander-in-chief looked very happy and boyish. You really must forgive me because it all seemed so wildly impossible i shall doubt again i really shall want to see you disappear repeatedly before i can quite accept this to-morrow morning i shall consider it the craze of a fevered brain but seriously miss pym this requires a lot of thinking over we can give you definite instructions but we bind you to nothing the possibilities of this adventure are immense oh do put little willie out of existence we all have a special loathing for that particular specimen of German vermin, cried young Captain Pemberton. Better dispose of the buffalo Hindenburg, said another. General Raynor looked round the room in utter amazement. What were they all talking about? Who was this woman he had not noticed on entering? Why was the chief looking so jolly and so wild? They must have had a champagne dinner. Yes, Rayner, I know we all seem quite dotty. Said Colonel Murcott, putting his hand on the general's shoulder, and it is useless explaining. It makes it all seem more crazy than ever. But this lady will do it again, I am sure. Miss Pym, do put the general out of his misery. He thinks we are all daft. Now, Rayner, see this lady. Please take hold of her hand and watch. General Rayner, greatly mystified, grasped Miss Pym's hand, and he determined she should not get away but suddenly she was obliterated, though he felt her hand and could hear her low laugh. And not only Miss Pym was invisible, but General Raynor's own hand and arm had disappeared. There was a pause, and Miss Pym reappeared, still held by the officer. Now you know as much as we do, they cried. Sir Robert Williamson has sent this lady over to us, and the chief is going to send her over to the Boche you have had an awfully trying day of it said the chief please get what rest and refreshment you can a day or so at the hotel de la poste won't be so bad my friend madame dupont will make you very comfortable and one of us will take you about in a car we must have a council of war over this and then we will make everything clear to you i hope i am forgiven and as he stretched out his hand to her miss pym again noted that extremely boyish that young almost exultant expression illuminate the face of the commander-in-chief two days later miss pym was fully instructed she was told what was important to discover and what she should try to do these instructions were secret and it is therefore not proposed to give them here various maps were given to her and these she was advised to carry with her the typewritten instructions she was to read sufficiently often to memorize, and before leaving our lines, she was to burn them. Sir Hugh had selected the point where she could most safely cross over to the German side. This was on the French front, and a French officer would conduct her to Le Bois de Chevalier and there leave her near a great oak known as Le Chen de Couvent. Everything had been thought out as far as possible but sir hugh assured miss pym that she must not feel tied and bound but do as she thought best according to circumstances it will be a great day of rejoicing the day of your return and i assure you we shall await it in some anxiety though i think the chances of your safe return amount to practical certainty the only thing i fear is the possibility of your power failing you in which case you could never hope to return I confess that very thought has occurred to me, and has slightly troubled me, but there I must just risk it. And now, please, Sir Hugh, let me say good-bye this evening. You say that Capitan Rauphan calls for me at eight o'clock in the morning. I want none of my English friends to see me off. I want to slip away quietly. Does this French officer know what I am going to do? Does he know about this, this faculty I have? not a word he has his orders to take you to that particular spot and to leave you there and he knows you are my trusted friend miss pym sir hugh gave his hand to the poor lady who was too much moved for words and she turned away to the Hotel de la poste where madame Dupont greeted her affectionately special delicacies had been prepared for miss pym's rucksack and the officers had sent her more chocolate and pate de foie gras, and tins of biscuit than she could possibly carry. She made her selection, giving the rest to Madame Dupont. Then having no luggage to pack, she sat down by the window in her pleasant room, and read over the typed pages of instruction, which she could almost repeat by heart. When quite sure of them, she descended to the cuisine, and asking the little deformed cook to open the stove, thrust the papers into the glowing furnace. Then she stood by the door, looking out over the vegetable garden, and listened to the dull roar of guns. And that goes on day and night, and will go on till we break them, she thought. Suddenly she heard a voice behind her say, No regrets, Miss Pym? And she turned to greet Colonel Murcott. No, I haven't a regret. Unless for my own incapacity, she replied gravely, but it is an awful undertaking. Yes, you will see suffering and brutality beyond belief. Those Englishmen and women who live quietly at home in our tight little island haven't a notion of what war means war as understood by the Boche. There'd be less talk of sparing them humiliation and considering punishment revengeful if they saw what we see nothing less than breaking the boche will do. Lord, how I wish the British and Russian pacifists could be taken across those lines over there and be enslaved by the Huns. Oh, they would understand the Germans then, and realize that the only remedy for German kultur is to conquer them. And Colonel Murcott tightened his lips. Yes, said Miss Pym, of course I am quite safe so long as I keep invisible. But it is difficult to feel invisible to realize you are invisible people appear to be looking at you and seeing you when they really cannot i wonder whether i shall ever get used to it what a lot of things are happening now which one can never get used to said Colonel Murcott leaning against the door looking up into the starry sky do you know miss pym i cannot get used to this war it still seems so unreal and yet it is by far the most real thing in the whole world this tremendous war and it didn't come unheralded we ought to have read the signs for they were written large for all to read but we refused to read we turned our heads away war we said was impossible because we hate war and then suddenly the impossible was a reality and yet as i said before i cannot feel used to it though i have been fighting since september 1914 this refusal of the mind to realize horrors is i believe protective it helps to keep one sane and balanced when you see all your men falling all your officers killed when everything seems hopeless as it often did in 1914 then this strange fancy that after all it is a dream something imaginary this feeling that death and defeat are unreal i believe it helped me certainly it did in the first battle of ypres i really did not recognize the awfulness of of everything i decided we were going to stand all right and hold back the boche oh there's a lot it doesn't do to think of that one cannot bear to recall i expect you will see things over there which you will not care to recall i am sure of that but i shall all my life be glad i have been able to do something for england and that thought will outweigh everything said miss pym earnestly looking up at the beautiful bronzed face of the soldier another comforting thought continued he is that physical pain is meant to be forgotten there is nothing lasting in it and those that suffered cannot recall cannot retrace pain you can recall fear hatred anger but pain refuses to be remembered you can remember about it but not it the ineffaceably horrible thing is cruelty which is always ineffectual and really useless cruelty seems to me the hallmark of the devil the cruelty of the German is something quite unbelievable and unspeakable, and sometimes I feel, but no, Miss Pym, I must restrain my thoughts and my recollections. Suddenly the throb of a motor was heard, and soon after a fine Pennard stopped before the Hôtel de la Poste. Probably this is Capitan Rothan, who is to escort you to-morrow. I know him. He is an awfully good fellow and only recently he received the military cross colonel murcott went to the front entrance and greeted a slight young officer in the pale blue french uniform miss pym allow me to present to you my good friend Capitaine capitan the young frenchman straightened himself then bowed profoundly miss pym looked at him with some curiosity his was the last friendly face she was to see till she returned he was thin and sallow his eyes were large and melancholy he had no appearance of a man of action charme madame he murmured and then colonel murcott explained that sir hugh douglas wanted to see him and that there were papers to take back to the french general so Capitaine roffin will be ready with his motor at eight o'clock to-morrow morning do you stick to your refusal miss Pym? Your refusal to let me see you off? Miss Pym smiled and stretched out her hand. It will be better to have your kind greetings on my return, Colonel. And so the good lady parted with England, withdrew to her salon bedchamber, and sat at the window giving out on to the soft darkness. The moon had disappeared behind mountains of cloud, which also blotted out the stars. The maternal scent of cows rose from the yard where they shouldered each other and moaned occasionally but at intervals the silence and the darkness were rent by the eruptive roar of guns and the sudden play of light in the sky chapter six